You're listening to the Big Finish podcast launching Monday, 13th of Feb 2017. Hello, I'm Benji Clifford, Big Finish sound designer, musician, singer, and podcast ninja. And now I'm joined by a man who has many talents. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> and now Get I'm joined by it. a man who. <laughs> And now I'm joined by a man who's got many talents. He can act. I'm not editing this. <laughs> Just leaving Just it let all Let me in. say it. And now I'm joined by a man oh, who can not act, he can write, he can direct, he can do pretty much anything. That's right. He even has the highest score in the Inter-Trans-Dimensional Exelon Golf Tournament of 2076. That's right. It is Mr. Nicholas Briggs. Thank you. It's all true, yes. Hello. That way leads to death. That way leads to hole five. <laughs> we at Big Finish are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audiobooks. Doctor Who, Torchwood, Blake 7, classic horror, Terror Hawks, The Adventures of Bernice Summerfield, Dark Shadows, The Confectionery of Dorian Gray, Cicero, <laughs> Survivors, The, the Prisoner, The Prisoner, uh, The Omega Factor, The... Avengers a blooming lot yeah check us out at bigfinish.com you won't regret it it's going to be one of those podcasts today I could (laughs) (laughs) I'd just like to add that next to my shed they're building some uh, new houses or something so sorry for any extraneous noises I'd just like to add that that they're not building anything across the road from me but they're making loads of noise dumping massive (laughs) stones of some kind so yeah I apologise for that as well basically Big Finish broadcasting to you live from a building site. And coming up in this podcast, our customary lineup of features. In a moment, Basil Brush. That'll be followed by Doctor Who, The Generation Game, and a man called Ironside, Parkinson, and Saturday Night at the Movies. But now, here is a public information film. That was the BBC One lineup back in about 1973. You're kidding. I've actually got an old recording on a reel to reel tape, which I haven't got with me, so it's a shame I can't just play it now of a trailer for Saturday Night Entertainment on BBC One which I recorded just before recording the opening music of Frontier in Space episode two you're kidding that's amazing that that is because I used to yeah is that just a listen back and, and, and boogie around to well, it's because I wanted, as a whatever year old I was at the time, 11, I think, I wanted to hear the Doctor Who theme. Oh. And I didn't have the record no, at that's... that point. So I thought I recorded it off the television. And that's when I realised that I was starting to listen to the bit of the episode that I didn't manage to cut off in time after the theme more than I was listening to the theme. And I thought, oh, why don't I actually tape record Doctor Who? <laughs> yeah, and so the rest, as they, they say, is, is literally history. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty fun. Though. So yes, thank you. I mean, that lineup really takes me back to my childhood. But seriously, folks, in a moment, the big finish news, and that'll be followed by listeners' emails. Got some great ones today. Our guest star interview, the randomoid selectatron, and a roundup of the latest releases. Our drama tease today will be the 15-minute extract from our upcoming final War Doctor box set casualties of war from the opening story pretty lies which features joseph kloska who some of you may have recently seen in the netflix drama the crown 
I've certainly seen him, yes. And our guest star interview spot features interviews with the cast, producer and writer of Pathfinder Legends. More on that later. But if you haven't listened to our Pathfinder stories yet, this is an excellent chance to get on board. It's always good to start something new, mate. That your 2017 resolution. Listen to more Pathfinder. And now, moving on, it's time for the news. This is the Big Finish News. Cue Nick and Benji. <laughs> I love your filling in noises. What so, is that, for goodness sake? I, I think it was sort of. I think it was somebody with not a lot of not left to do with their life, other than sort of twiddle the tuning knob in a little jolly tune. It's like you were waiting for a bus or something. <laughs> and now the news. <laughs> no, bus isn't coming yet. No, and, and then there's always that that, that person who, who says he, he taps you on the shoulder and says, <laughs> "You know what they say." You're waiting for one, and then two come along at once. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yes, what about this news? Well, this news is very, very, this news is very excited. So, released this week, The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells, dramatised by Jonathan Barnes and starring the legendary Sir John Hurt. This was due for release last week, but with the untimely death of John, we felt it more sensitive to delay the release. But now it'll be available for all to hear this week. Yes, here's a clip. I thought you wouldn't mind the interruption, sir. It's only that Mr. Enfree has come to fix the clock. Very well, whatever is necessary. Though he should complete his task as quickly as possible. Of course I will, sir. No problem at all. Oh, he's very quick, sir. He's nimble, but he's thorough with it. Then let him do what must be done. On you go, Teddy. Very good, ma'am. Right. (laughs) I take it your lunch was acceptable, sir? Most welcome, Mrs Hall, thank you. I should perhaps explain my reason for coming here to this place, to Iping, to the coach and horses. I'm sure there's no need, sir, for you to say anything you don't want to say. On the contrary, I forgot myself earlier. I was cold, I was fatigued. And I fear that I rather let my manners slide. <laughs> Not at all, sir. Don't mention it, sir. Nonetheless, to explain, I am an experimental investigator. Oh. My purpose in being here now is a desire for solitude. I do not wish to be disturbed in my work. And as for my accident, of which I fancy you will already have heard through that tender young bloom named Millie, (laughs) it necessitates in me a certain retirement. My eyes, you understand, my eyes are oftentimes so weak and so painful that I have to shut myself up in the dark for hours, for hours at a time. The dark, sir? Like a mole then, are you, sir? Like a little furry bat. Oh, Indeed, Mr. Humphrey. At times, the entry of a stranger into my room is a source of excruciating annoyance to me. Mrs. Hall, pray forgive my candour. 
but it is as well that these things should from the first be understood. I'm sure that will be a problem, sir. We're understanding people round here. We're tolerant. We're welcoming folk. Isn't that so, Teddy? Certainly is. I expect my supper at six, Mrs. Hall, and I want Millie to bring it to me. And don't forget that there's a free excerpt of The Invisible Man available on the Big Finish website if you want to try before you buy. Next weekend, or this coming weekend, whatever makes sense to you, it's the 17th, 18th and 19th of February anyway, uh, the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention will be taking place in L.A., Yes, that's in America. And Big Finish will be well represented. And along with star guests Paul McGann, Lala Ward, Louise Jameson, Katie Manning, Annika Wills, Peter Purvis, Fraser Hines, Philip Hinchcliffe, Daphne Ashbrook, John Leeson, Gareth David Lloyd, Kutchin Stewart, Naoko Mori, Danny Webb, Prentice Hancock and Michael Troughton, all of whom have worked with Big Finish, our very own Jason Haigellery and Nick Briggs, will be there along with Big Finish writers and directors Barnaby Edwards and Nicholas Pegg. And just in case you thought that was enough, Paul Cornell, Gary Russell, Chase Masterson, Scott Hancock, Tony Lee and Richard Dinnick are there too. Ooh, yes. They love to pack them in at Gallifrey One. I'll be bringing you a no doubt totally chaotic podcast from that event next week. If I can get the internet to work Ooh. in that hotel, it's it's not awfully good. Um, <laughs> it'd probably be quite short. I don't know. If not, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know what if not, actually. Just fingers crossed anyway. Well, there we have it. I mean, that is a jam-packed lineup right there. It sounds like the makings of a great party. And on Tuesday the 14th of Feb, there's a journey to Victorian London for Adric, Nyssa and Tegan and the Doctor in the Contingency Club. Benji, can you remind us of your Chips story relating to this? I, I, I can actually. I've got, I've got another uh, great little story from that place the other day, which I was reminded of actually. But yes, the Chips story is there's a place uh, in, in my, my lovely little seaside town of Bexhill uh, called the Continental Club, which used to do right. uh, fantastic chips, and uh, I, 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 whenever I see the Contingency Club, I get mixed up with the Continental Club. But I have another great uh, story from my youth here, from the Continental okay, Club. Hit us with that. I was at a party there. Uh, I say a party. It was it was a sort of a after school birthday party there uh, and uh, we were having a, a, a jolly good time dancing to whatever was on in the 90s uh, and I got tapped on the shoulder by somebody who was far too overexcited turned round and they let off a party popper straight in my eye and yeah it was it was really bad I had a black eye and it hurt and I had to go home and so so this great party you know one minute I was bopping around to, to steps yeah. and the next minute I, I was sort of sitting at home with my one eye closed <laughs> trying to watch the television and, and feeling rather sorry for, my, sorry for myself so so yeah uh, my advice to anybody listening here at this time of need is is to um, yeah be careful with party poppers and general pyrotechnics I, mean, it's, it's I think I think uh, since you've confessed dancing to steps I think basically you had it coming very very possibly very <laughs> In retrospect, it, it does seem likely. I feel cruel. Well, you, you know, well, <laughs> yeah. It, it does. I tell you what, I was I was playing on guitar last night. I was playing that song. What was it? Um, 
Superman. By Black Lace. Oh goodness, that's a proper, proper, proper nineties track. That I did. Did someone uh, come and let off a party popper in your face again? They should have done that. I, I deserve. Well, it was it a yesterday. missed opportunity. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh dear, but there we go, guys. So uh, yeah, feel sorry for me. Anyway, here's the trailer for the Peter Davison Fifth Doctor story, The Contingency Club, Chips Not Included. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who. Hey, up there. Magnificent, sir. The most splendid club building in all St. James's. The Contingency Club. Do forgive the intrusion, Mr. Peabody. What is it, Edward? Strangers, sir. Strangers? They appeared in the club. Edward! Yes, sir. Is there something you require? Holy moly! There are three of them! My father was one of the principal engineers. He has disappeared. He's vanished. And I believe it must be connected to the contingency club. Edward? Yes? Yes? You're all called Edward. Yes. Yes. Oh, my queen, an excellent move. Oh, do not grovel, Peabody. Any game is joyless unless played at full pelt between two earnest rivals. Of course, my queen. What is it? There's something here. Bubbling. Liquid of some kind. And do you smell something? You have attained full membership of London's premier gentleman's society. You are most welcome, sir, to the Contingency Club. What do you intend to do? Our instructions are quite clear, sir. You must be ejected from the club. Ejected? You mean through the window? But we're three floors up. You'll kill us! We'll break our necks on the pavements of Pall Mall! Doctor, what's happening? We're falling. Falling? Is that possible? It shouldn't be. Nothing must interfere with the game, Peabody. Nothing. Big finish. We love stories. Aha. And don't forget, once you've bought a title such as this from our site, you can download it onto the Big Finish listening app. Available, available, I don't know what available means. Available <laughs> it for free. Like a, a, for... It should be a word. <laughs> <laughs> you can bail it out yes it's available never mind it's, it's just move on available for free for ios and android devices you know i heard from a listener on twitter the other day who had bought one of our cds years ago then just for convenience bought it as a download again for 2.99 to get it on the app that's what I call loyalty and dedication. Commitment, yeah. that is. Wow. I did search for the tweet and I can't find it, but you'll know who you are. And by the way, uh, you can tell me things like that on Twitter. I'm at Briggs Nicholas um, and I don't have a blue tick because I'm a rebel and won't play their game. <laughs> Buck up! He's a rebel without a tick. <laughs> Any road up, that is the end of the news. I've packed it into the back of a lorry. I've decided that instead of going uh, to wherever the news goes, I've decided to pack it off to Cobham Services for a great Costa coffee and a Cornish pasty. Goodbye, news. You've been fab. Time now for listeners' emails.
Love the emails. And all you have to do to take part in is email us at podcast at bigfinish.com. That's right, podcast at bigfinish.com. The at is a squiggly A. And thanks to all of you who have. Let's go. Right, first up then, this Whopper email is from Michael Totes. I think I should uh, answer these questions as we go along. Cool. Let's do this. Hi, Nick and Benji. Thank you for the weekly podcast. It's always a fun and informative listen. I'm taking this opportunity to ask a few questions regarding the Eighth Doctor. Here are my eight questions. Like, like, like the correlation there between the Eighth Doctor and the Eighth Doctor. Eight, eight yeah, questions. what he's done. Magic. Yeah, so, yeah, number well one. Done, I feel yes. like we need um, the mastermind theme in the background here. <laughs> Done. All the the da 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 We'd have to do them in reverse order then. With so number one, with the twentieth anniversary coming up, do you have any plans to re-release the original Eighth Doctor and Charlie stories from Storm Warning to Zagreus, perhaps in a three box, perhaps in three box sets? Ideally, with new covers and audio extras. Nick, go. Well, okay, it's a great idea, Michael. We don't have any firm plans to do that, and we've got so much on our plate. We, I just don't think we could get that done for the 20th anniversary, but it is a great idea, mm, is what I'm saying to that. Okay, question two. Question two. If you do, could you possibly add a further two box sets of new stories sandwiched between them? Uh, I would image that the new stories would be a single I think disc. Means imagine. I, I think so as well. I would imagine that the new stories would be single disc adventures, but at least they would look the same next to each other on the shelf. Ah, uh, things looking the same next to each other on the shelf. I realise that's very important to people. Um, yeah, do new adventures with the Eighth Doctor and Charlie. And you know? oh, yeah, yeah. Well, again, I would never rule that out. In fact, we've we've got very close to doing it in the past. Um, but um, yep, yeah, okay. But uh, no immediate plans to do any of that. But great ideas. Number three. How about putting the Sonic into the screwdriver? Have you ever thought about releasing a replica of the 8th Doctor's screwdriver with inbuilt flash drive containing his stories? Like your vinyl releases, this would be a real collector's edition. It's a fantastic idea, but unfortunately that would constitute it being a toy and we don't have a license for making toys. and We'd have to negotiate an entirely new deal with the BBC and then send a lorry around with all the, all the money they'd like for it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it's a shame. Quite rightly, of course. I mean, they own it for goodness' sake. Too, too, exactly. Too, too, too right. Uh, number it's four. Theirs. It's theirs. What are you thinking, We're Briggs? Just up. it. <laughs> and number four. Now, it's been great to have Sheridan Smith back reading some short trips. But have you considered bringing her back in a future adventure? I wouldn't want to change the ending of To the Death. But I wondered about having a multi-Doctor story with the same Doctor. Lucy would be shocked how her Doctor had changed and the Eighth Doctor would be able to meet her for a final time. A bittersweet tale. Briggs, take it away. Lovely, lovely idea. I mean, when you say a multi-Doctor story with the same Doctor, I don't, that can't be a multi-Doctor story if it's just the same Doctor. I don't understand that. Create but a anyway, paradox, uh, wasn't it? Uh, um, but um, I think that... Uh, yes, uh, my key thing is that I will never change the ending of To the Death. I'll, you know, my intention is not ever to say that Lucy miraculously survived her obvious final death. 
Um, that said, I wouldn't rule out doing more Lucy Miller adventures because there's plenty of room in that little era we created for adventures to fit in. And it would just be lovely to do it. And I know that both, I know for sure that both Paul and Sheridan would like to do it too. So it's just a question of sorting out how, when, and where. There you go. It's a good answer. Very good answer. So, speaking about past companions, have you thought about producing a range of companion chronicles just for the Eighth Doctor? I appreciate that Paul McGann's time with you in the studio is limited, but I really think that there's an appetite for more stories for him with his past companions and to revisit some earlier eras. Well, I mean, if they were companion chronicles, they wouldn't necessarily feature Paul McGann in them. It would just be the companion reading them, as it were. Uh, so that could work. Um, it's really just a question of, um, well, you know, one of the biggest complaints we receive is that we release too much. And this is what you're talking about is an additional range. I'm reminded of a meeting the other day I had with David Richardson and Jason Hay-Ellery, where the main reason for the meeting was to work out how we could slightly cut down on the amount we're doing. And then we <laughs> came out of the meeting having agreed to do three extra productions. So, you know, <laughs> we're not going to try to do that again. That way leads to madness. That way leads to death. Leads to more audios. <sighs> but, you know. So that is my but we love stories. answer there. It's a great idea, Michael, but, you know, it's another production, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it, mate? Maybe we'll do it one day, though. I love the idea of revisiting parts of the Eighth Doctor era. It's great that we've extended it so much. So we can go back and, you know, do Charlie and Lucy and, and maybe uh, Mary Shelley again. A lot of appetite for that. 20 so, years as well. I had a lovely time working with Julie Cox, you know, she, who played Mary Shelley. She was such a laugh. So it was great fun. So another sterling answer there, Mr. Briggs. And now a proper question rather than not so subtle requests masquerading as questions. Will the Eighth <laughs> Doctor be in your upcoming comic book adaptations? No plans for that. You heard it first. And, d well, so uh, number seven here. Does the sad loss of John Hurt affect your plans for the Eighth Doctor in any way? It originally sounded like the upcoming Time War box set would be a one-off, at least for the foreseeable future. Is this still the case? Uh, we're not sure about that. That's a very astute comment you've made there. That's all I'm saying. Very astute. And now we've come full circle. It's eight on eight. So here we go. Finally, to return to your upcoming anniversary celebrations, has Nick thought about writing a prequel slash sequel to the Sirens of Time, utilising the other Doctors that Big Finish have now available, especially the Eighth Doctor? Well, funny you should mention the Eighth Doctor. No, not really, I'm joking. Um, uh, there's been a, a joke at Big Finish meetings for a long time when I say, oh, I've got this great idea for a story. It's called Time of the Sirens. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, there are no plans for that, but it's a lovely idea. I would love to go back to the Sirens of Time, which was the first ever one we did, and uh, which I wrote and directed, just in case you didn't know. Thank you. That's my answer. That's his answer. There we go. And it's actually reading that, reading that question with the first sentence. I actually, I thought it was going to say, and now finally to return to your upcoming celebrations, has Nick thought about hosting a big Finnish party? <laughs> Just like, with volivants. Has he thought about a cake um, and, and, and some punch? 
Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah, thank you very much for that, Michael. And uh, just finish your email here, it says, Thank you for taking the time to read and hopefully answer these questions. I'm expecting quite a few just imagines. Kind regards, Michael. I don't think I said uh, just imagine once, did I? No, you didn't. Which is which is good, I think. Perhaps we should I think say I said it now. no plans. I think I said no plans. Just imagine. Just imagine. I think I said no plans quite a lot. Anyway, uh, well, after that whopper, there's only really time for one more email this week. Although I might break that rule. I'm just that crazy. And it's a fascinating sciencey one from Andrew Wooding. Mm. Hello, good folks at Big Finish. I've been listening to your podcast since the very beginning of time, really. Uh, no, I added that bit in. Park up! <laughs> so I remember the days of crisps and hummus. And, of course, the ongoing Crispgate saga with listeners complaining in their droves about crunching sounds on the recording. I came across this scientific article today on the BBC website, which explains why listeners weren't keen. Right, so I'm going to press the link and go to this article. I think I read this article, actually. Go to page. Let me up. Uh, misophonia. Scientists crack why eating sounds can make people angry. Why some people become arranged by sounds such as eating or breathing has been explained by brain scan studies. The condition misophonia is far more than simply disliking noises such as nails being scraped down a blackboard. I feel there's a threat and get the urge to lash out. It's the fight or flight response, says Olana Tansley Hancock, 29, from Kent. UK scientists have shown some people's brains become hardwired to produce an excessive emotional response. Olana developed the condition when she was eight years old. Her trigger sounds include breathing, eating and rustling noises. She told BBC News, anyone eating crisps is always going to set me off. The rustle of the packet is enough to start a reaction. It's not a general annoyance, it's an immediate, oh my God, what is that sound? I need to get away from it or stop it. I spent a long time avoiding places like the cinema. I'd have to move carriages seven or eight times on 30-minute train journeys, and I left a job after three months as I spent more time crying and having panic attacks than working. Scientists, including Alana, at multiple centres in the UK, scanned the brains of 20 misophonic people and 22 people without the condition. They were played a range of noises while they were in the MRI machine, including neutral sounds such as rain, generally unpleasant sounds such as screaming, and people's trigger sounds. The results, published in the journal Current Biology, don't forget to get your copy, folks, revealed the part of the brain that joins our senses with our emotions. The anterior insular cortex was overly active in misophonia. And it was wired up and connected to other parts of the brain differently in those with misophonia hmm. so there you are that sort of explains it doesn't it now there is a recording on here that starts with all sorts of horrible noises but you know given that condition um i'm not going to play it because i think it'll upset people because the the reaction we had to those noises on our podcast were very very cross indeed and i was a little bit dismissive of it because i'm fascinated by all noises although i don't like the sound of nails being scraped down a blackboard and i don't like the sound of people rubbing their socks on a carpet that that really does it for me so i've learned a lesson by reading this i should have been far more accepting of people's views although i think we apologize rubbing anyway socks on and the carpet. 
oh god that really does it for me and there's a friend of mine called ellie and she does it when she comes to visit me she sits there and she starts rubbing her feet on the carpet and i look at her she goes oh my god sorry i forgot i forgot (laughs) (laughs) it really really sets my teeth on edge as rogan said in the ark in space about teleportation anyway (laughs) oh dear what's the matter with me oh i remember i'm a doctor who fan ah i hope this clears things up says Andrew Wooding. Me, I prefer frazzles or what's-its at a stretch. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yours since the sirens of time, Andrew Wooding. Andrew. What a lovely email. I liked it. Everyone else turned off. And just an answer here to a question posed last week. I've been contacted by very informed people to clear up the four to doomsday business. Do you remember? We were saying four what to Doomsday. It's four days. It's four days to Doomsday. Not four boring episodes. Oh, cool. oh, God. Four days. <laughs> Neil Corey on go. Twitter long, said something about it. For long days. <laughs> also, I just want to say there are some great emails about Death of the Daleks, and we'll return to those uh, the week after next, after my Gallifrey One podcast. But just bear this thought in mind. Sarah, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Benji. Sarah runs out of the TARDIS to get away from an Exelon in episode one. But she leaves the door open. You know, well, I mean, uh, I always the the thing that that I really think is she, she leaves the door open. But that Exelon, ne- they never showed the Exelon leaving the TARDIS. Exactly. So I've always come to the conclusion that it's in there, in those corridors somewhere, just just roaming around. Just yeah. But what? But what also is to stop loads of other ex- Exelons going in there? What? Or even the Daleks, right? The Daleks. <laughs> don't forget, in that episode, they had like little models of the TARDIS that they shot for fun to test out their new guns. Now, they've been patrolling all around the planet, because don't forget, there are more than four of them, even though there are only four props. So they said, they must continue to believe there are only four <laughs> of us. <laughs> Which must have been a joke put in by Terence Dicks. Um, uh, so I think a Dalek would have been on patrol and go, ah, a real TARDIS! <laughs> and it would have gone in there. I think I think the Doctor went back to the TARDIS at the end of that story to find it's like, like the Daleks of the Exelons having like a party in the control room. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a huge rave up where they're... Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean you know, the Exelons go, oh, 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 I like oh, this one! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's an interesting point. I mean, I always, I just always assume that they're just there's, there must be loads of, of, of stuff going on in those corridors which we, which we know nothing about was it in one of the, the modern ones is it Into the TARDIS or it's not even the episode title is it um, when the one uh, no. no it's not <laughs> it? I don't know uh, the one the modern one inside it don't they come across like I think it's all in, in some I haven't seen it since it was on they come across like a, a, a skeleton in there or something I think it's like some am I just dreaming this Maybe I, I am. don't know. Is that not the skeleton in the city of the Exelons that failed to do the uh, the maze test on the wall from the latest Doctor Who? I, annual? I love that. <laughs> I love that skeleton. Imagine that guy. I mean, you get you get mazes in Christmas crackers, don't you, and things like that. You know, the little yeah, ball. Yeah. And the, but he, I mean, he can't have been up to much if 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 he could. They have don't done have that. those on Exelon, though. Yeah, well, I know that they don't. But but you know, they don't have a mini. Well, I don't know. I just I must say that just another death to the Daleks memory here. <laughs> I, one of the reasons I'm so defensive of the story I think is that that scene where the doctor goes in and there's the the uh, skeleton there I was my English teacher at school 
had a go at me about that. Everyone in the class knew I was um, a Doctor Who fan. And he was, I really loved him as a teacher. He was a very popular teacher, a very old chap, you know. And he said, Oh, well, I was watching that. Has anyone watched that Doctor Who? And everyone looked at me and he said, and I, and I didn't get a chance to say anything. But then he said, Because I think it's rubbish. <gasps> I saw you, the Daleks going in there and they're, they're, they're all going, bop, 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 and they're so stupid. I mean, it's their city. How do they not know how to do the maze? And I was going, it, it's not their city. It's not. And he wouldn't He wouldn't let me explain. And he was criticising Doctor Who for something that he misunderstood about it. Oh, God. And it completely changed my relationship with him because I thought, you're not as clever as I thought you were. But he you're thinks so he's stupid. cleverer than, 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 yeah. than he thinks he is. Yeah, I thought, yeah. So after that, I didn't take any notice of anything he said about Thomas Hardy. <laughs> And I got a much better English teacher the next year. His name is Mr. Harris. He's, he's probably long dead now. Not because of that issue, obviously. <laughs> because as we know, the Dalek guns weren't working on Excellent. No, they weren't. They just, they just, they just made a, a fun little... They just machine gunned him. Yeah. Noise, didn't they? Which, which, which I, don't, I don't quite know what it meant, but, but it was a cool noise. Yeah. Go on, do, do your best impression of, of, of the uh, the Dalek guns with the, with the bullets. Oh, I thought you were going to get me to do the, the ones w- which didn't function. Go for it, do that they as do well, that kind do of that as well. Very good, very good. <laughs> the guns. Yes. Couldn't have done it better myself. It's, oh. Substitute weaponry, some functioning satisfactorily. <laughs> I can never say that line. Uh, yeah. We must shoot another TARDIS model. Do you reckon that's what... They must be long flights. They must be really uh, long flights. And they, they that's why they have those, you know... They, Do you fancy another game down at the shooting range? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fab. I've got one here of Tom Baker. <laughs> Which looks like that waxwork model they did of him. Uh, from yes. Two Swords. <laughs> the Megloss one, yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, so some more Death to the Daleks emails coming soon. Thank you for that wonderful uh, uh, exploit into the worlds of Exelon there. Uh, anyway, uh, just look, just have time for this last email, Benji. I've, I've broken the rule and added another one because this, this made me laugh, this. Go on. Okay, so hello, Nick and Benji. This one's from Natalia Ratcliffe. Not to be confused with Mr. Ratcliffe. War as hell. <laughs> My name is Natalia, and I am the girlfriend of an avid Doctor Who and Big Finish fan. You may remember him, Mario Garcia. He did the Sontaran skiing recording and also contributed to some emails to your podcast. Either way, I'm typically forced to listen to your podcast with him. Brackets, (laughs) girlfriend duties, you know the like close brackets and he really wants me to get into the big finish happenings do you have any suggestions for someone who isn't obsessed with doctor who tortured or gallifrey finally uh, could you possibly give mario a hello from me he's such a big fan and as a college student i currently can't afford to get him the valentine's day present i wanted to but i think that rouse but i think that a rousing hello and a buck up for him would be amazing warmest regards and also pumpkins and penguins natalia love the pumpkins and penguins fabo uh, yes so and and it was a hello for uh, uh mario not a hello 
from oh, my Natalia. It's from us. It's but from anyway, us. What, yes. what a fool. Hello. Hello, hello Mario. Hello, that was hello, brilliant. Hello. Uh, the Sontarans skating. I love the way she wrote Santarans. That's proving, Natalia, that you are not a Doctor Who fan. Was, wasn't the it Santarans? Uh, unless, of course, <laughs> she, she was... The Sultanas. Unless, of course, it was because... It, was it around Christmas time? So perhaps they were Santarans. Perhaps they were... Well, <laughs> oh, Christmas no, this email came in yesterday i think uh and also also mario buck up buck what can up. we suggest to natalia for um uh, um you know something to listen to that she's not into doctor who torchwood or gallifrey uh i mean do you like uh, things like that you could do dracula or frankenstein or sherlock holmes how about that or you could delve into some other stuff as well we've, we've got fab stuff like um you've got the the omega factor uh, Vienna, which is which is quite cool, and uh, although it's it's sort of Doctor Who-y, but it's it's so much fun. Is uh, Iris Wild Time as well, or Jago and Lightfoot stuff? There's there's plenty to. I know. I'm just trying to think of things that aren't related to that field. The Phantom of the Opera, yeah, stuff like that. We've got a couple of new uh, thriller books coming out by Jack Gerson. Have a look at those. Knights of the Trivets, Terror Hawks as well. There's another. Terror- Terror She's Hawks. not going to like Terror Hawks. Let's face it. It'd be quite fun, I don't know. Though. It's very funny, Terror Hawks. Give it a go. Give it, give it Natalia, a go. Listen to Terror Hawks and tell us what you think. And have a look on the site. There's loads of stuff for free. There's a range called Big Finish for free. So have a look. Um, that really is the end of the emails for this week. I've put them in a chest. I'm burying them on a desert island. And if anybody can find uh, the, the emails after I've buried them, uh, I'll give them a cream egg. There we go. That's the end. It's done. Time now for our guest interview slot. Plenty of uh, building noises happening outside the shed here, but luckily the music is drowning it out. Uh, <laughs> this edition, it's populated by the cast, writer and producer of Pathfinder Legends. And if you don't know what that is, here's a helpful chap, a good old friend of mine, in fact, uh, to tell you all about it. Enjoy. My name's John Ainsworth, and I'm the producer of Pathfinder Legends. I've produced uh, and directed all of the Pathfinder uh, episodes so far, um, which is where well, we're now nearing the end in terms of production of the third series. Um, so in ter- by the time we've finished the, the third series, we'll have done 18 full stories. Yeah, Pathfinder Legends is based on a, a role-playing game which is sort of related to Dungeons and Dragons, which is perhaps the more the famous one, although the older one. And uh, Big Finish have a license with the company that owns Pathfinder, who are called Paizo. And the agreement was that we would produce uh, ad- adventure audio dramas based on the game, basically. And Paizo had already created uh, a set of heroes, quite a lot, a, quite a long list of different types of heroes. Uh, sort of a wizard type hero, a fighter, um, uh, a ranger, all sorts of you know, to, to sort of show all the different powers and classes of characters. Um, we couldn't immediately have all of them, so we opted to go with four regular characters. Uh, so we've got Hask, who is a, a sort of dwarf ranger, Valoros, who's the the fighter, um, uh, Ezrin, who's the wizard, and Mauricio, who is a, an elf and a thief. A thief is, and she can pick locks and, and things like that. So those were the characters that we were, were, were agreed upon that we would use. And Paizo were obviously quite keen to make sure the voices were voices that they liked. 
uh, and felt were appropriate for the characters. So I chose actors that I thought were good for the parts, uh, and we did a little test recording. And just I think we had actually yes I adapted just a, a brief bit of script I adapted from all of the Pathfinder comic strips which already existed and used some of the characters, so we just used that as our little sort of test script. So we recorded some of that and sent it off to Paizo, and uh, they were very nice. They I, they approved of my choices, so there was no recasting necessary, and they, and they liked who who we'd gone with very much. Um, uh, and from that point on, we just we, that's when we started writing the full full scripts they're based on what uh, are called adventure paths so these are existing game scenarios that you can play uh, as as heroes yourself the first series we did was called rise of the rune lords um, which i think is considered a bit of a sort of classic uh, adventure path for paizo and that was six one-hour uh episodes that was single cd adventures we were betrayed we don't know that yes we do by who i don't know but when i find them i will gut their filthy carcasses you shall die for this old man probably but remember this we took your sister first Murderer! ask what's going on this weather it's it ain't natural nothing about this is natural and then we moved to double CD um, installments for the, the second series, which was called Mummy's Mask. And that was all set in a sort of Egyptian-esque setting with pyramids and pharaohs and uh, mummies. What is under attack? A flying pyramid, the five-pointed sun, firing beams of darkness. They demand we sacrifice you to them. The place looks deserted. This is the Morning Sun District, home to what is finest. Mm, what homes they are. Look more like palaces to me. Big, empty palaces. You'll find things liven up in the heart of town, Valoros. Uh, and now we're doing the third series, which is Curse of the Crimson Throne, which is all set in this, this a ancient city where the, the queen, queen, Queen Iliosa, has come to power but something strange is going on and she isn't perhaps quite what she seems to be and not quite as good as she claims to be. Watch, listen. The cards speak to all those who deign to hear their words. The Crows, the loss of a loved one in the recent past. Kyra is not here. But that letter, you seem so sure. I was sure, but meet me at the Three Rings Inn, she said. We've been here six nights now, and she's still not shown her face. I've walked the streets every day trying to find out something, anything that might lead us to her. But not a word, nothing. The empty throne, a loss that brings good fortune, but to whom? The king is dead. Long live the queen. There will be justice. I am David Breyer, and I've written the scripts for series three of Pathfinder Legends. When I first heard that Big Finish was doing this through uh, my friend Mark, Mark Wright, who was one of the co-writers of earlier series of this, I was basically tugging his jacket, saying, please, please get me involved in this if you can. Yes, it's a, it's a very unusual kind of adaptation. The source material isn't like a novel. It's not one simple story. It's based on these adventure modules for the Pathfinder game, which present basically a tool for game groups to use to, to make their own stories, to make their own adventures out of it. So when I approach it, I have to find the kind of through line, the kind of clearest bit of the plot and build 
a, a normal drama out of that. I mean, in a in a role playing game, everything kind of comes down to the roll of the dice and the decisions the players make at the table, and that can send the story off in all kinds of directions. But obviously, when you're writing a script, when you're doing a, a um, a more straightforward drama you have to guide the story more you have to uh, limit it in some ways um, in more traditional kind of storytelling ways so it's a very it's very interesting to take such a peculiar open framework and try and fit it into a, a traditional drama framework Verissia civilization I've never known a less civilized place every single person I've met is in a bad mood all day every day my name is Stuart Alexander, and I play Valoros. He's the human character, so we've got an elf, a dwarf, and a wizard, and uh, for some reason they were happy to make him an American human, which is great, because that's my specialty. And uh, what I really love about him, and I think at the beginning, because the director had worked with me in some things before and seen that I could do some comedy and things as well, he allowed me to kind of bring some stuff to it where I made Valoros uh, maybe, a, you know, not as bright as he thinks he is, but incredibly brave and, and a really good heart and, and doing the right thing and, and doing everything for his team. But there was also a lot of scope which seems to have gotten more and more as the adventures go along and, and we're in different things. He's always great for the, the battles and the fights, and the roar as he goes into battle. But there's been much more uh, banter with the other characters and a, lo a lot more funny things coming up. What? Fire! I think we're here! And there's a few things we've done recently that, uh, I mean, hopefully, are going to be like really enjoyed by the listeners because the characters are coming to life more and more but um i think he is a lot of fun he has a lot of fun he thinks he's a ladies man and he's got his voice for when they go into the tavern and there's a lady at the other end and uh usually he ends up falling on his face i know corvosa was once occupied by chelios but it almost feels as if that diabolical empire still has a grip on the city. My name is Trevor Littledale, and I play Ezrin, who is a wizard. So, it has begun. He is the oldest member of the Pathfinder's team, and they all sort of look up to him, although in the early episodes, some of the other characters, particularly Mauriciel, who is an elf, used to be very cheeky to him. and Well, they were quite cheeky with each other, actually. She was always calling him an old goat. And he'd say, you forlorn elf. Or he'd just call her a forlorn. But you realise that with, actually with all the characters, with Valoros and with Hask and with um, Mauriciel, that there's a, there's a huge affection and a huge trust because they, they really are a team. They are the band and they, they help each other. They all have magic powers but Ezran has a little bit more because he is the oldest he's a wise old wizard he's rather a sort of Gandalf character he's the wise and when you look at the illustrations of him he has a long beard and long hair and he's he's an interesting character the stories that the Pathfinder Chronicles tell of this city the legends the history the ale you have a one-track mind Val you of all people know that isn't true Marissa <laughs> 
Keep dreaming, Val. Keep dreaming. Especially after what Amiko told me. Uh, I'm Kerry Skinner and I play Muriseal in Pathfinder. We've seen some things on the road, but a flying pyramid? Muriseal, I think, is a really interesting character. I mean, she's a, a full-on elf and I think probably as the sort of seasons have sort of moved on and on and the episodes have moved on I think that's sort of coming to the forefront more and more in terms of her personality um I think sort of early on it, it was sort of hinted at sort of her past and the life that she's led and how lonely her path has been because so many people around her you know have passed on passed away um and that's something that she finds really hard to bear um I think initially what you see from her is a huge amount of front, um, which I do think is there to kind of protect herself and sort of disguise the hurt that she feels. But I sort of think interestingly um, in the third season now, which we're on, with the introduction of her, um, her love interest, Kyra, you start to see the sort of more vulnerable side of her coming through because I think the fact that she has opened herself up to someone makes her vulnerable because she could potentially lose and outlive Kyra and I think that's quite interesting that this sort of side of her personality started to come to the fore a little bit more. I've told you that was a misunderstanding. Uh, Miko didn't like sharing her champion with half the women of Sandpoint. Bet the other women weren't too happy about it either <laughs> when they found out. My name's Ian Brooker and I play Hask. Hask is a ranger dwarf, a tea drinking ranger dwarf. He's very grumpy, uh, but uh, very taciturn a lot of the time, though he becomes more gregarious in certain circumstances. And he's had adventures where he's been amorous, he's had uh, relationships. And of the other three characters, uh, I suppose he's... Well, he's very fond of uh, Ezran, Mauricial and Valoros. Seen some things in my travels. Oh my. Behold, the slave trenches of Hakatep. Uh, the good thing with working with a team of actors that you've worked with quite a bit before, particularly if they're playing the same characters and they know them very well, is that y you can end up with quite a, a sort of good shorthand, really. You almost don't need to explain things, really. Um, I know that, you know, certainly when the four regulars come in, they'll know the tone and the level to pitch things at. And I very, I probably won't need to actually say much, you know, in terms of change. Or if something does go wrong, they they will picked up in it, you know, think, oh, that wasn't quite right or the energy wasn't that. Yeah. You know. So you're all on the same wavelength, which is just makes it an easier process. John is one of those producers who's very loyal to his actors. And uh, I've known John since 2001, I think, uh, when I was doing a lot of big Finnish Doctor Whos and Dalek Empires and things like that. I think it was Dalek Empire I met John first on. Yeah, John is very keen to have actors who work well together, actors who he, he has experience working with. And that'll mean uh, you'll see the same actors coming back in, like people like Toby Longworth, uh, Sean Connolly. Um, tried and tested actors who are good to work with and also very, very good. It, it's like a repertory company. We get on very, very well. It's a relaxed atmosphere. I would say between the the four main characters, we have become firm friends. Uh, we've become very supportive because we, you know, everyone has ups and downs in their life, and it's it's lovely that that's developed and there is definitely quite a bond between us 
and I, I hope it shows in the performances. We stick together, Val, come what may. You know that. Speak for yourself. What did you call this place, wizard? The half-city? Half-dead city, more like. Not this again. You say you want to come here to uncover lost knowledge on behalf of the Pathfinder Society. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt because of what we've been through together. I think Pathfinder's a great listen because it's a fantasy adventure, but it's got the, it's the characters that bring it to life and their relationships, uh, and there's a great humour to it without it becoming over the top. Um, so it's a good balance of action, adventure, or emotional drama, I suppose. And it's got a really fast pace. It's, 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 it's very strong. You know, it doesn't just sit around. And uh, uh, there's always something happening. And I, I can't imagine anyone being bored with a path. <laughs> And thanks to all those lovely people for their time. Thanks also to Karen Parks for conducting the interviews for us. Magic. And now it is that time. It's time for the Randomoid Selectatron. Yes, some time ago, loyal Big Finish listener Hannah Newman created a super-duper internet thingy to select a random release from the Big Finish website. Benji now presses the button, and then we talk about the randomly selected release. Any good gifts on Hannah's site? She puts a smashing on one. It's 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 only Death to the Daleks. <laughs> Shock horror. <laughs> what is it? It's two Daleks sitting there talking. Alert! Alert! Excessive grouting. <laughs> It's superb as this well. This is, of course, a reference to the tiled floor that the Daleks go over. And we were thinking that the grouting of the tiles might have caused them some problems in their perambulation. Of course it did. Yeah, fab. Just, oh, Luckily, just, it was just painted on the studio floor. <laughs> television centre. Um, OK, press the button. Well, the the button has actually taken us to uh, Toby Haydoke's Who's Round. So I, I will say that's uh, Who's Round 21, David Quilter, if anybody's interested uh, to listen oh. to that one. But but we don't do reviews of those because they're just, we just don't. It just would be a bit weird reviewing an interview. But they're very good, so check it out. Um, we have, in fact, repressed the button and... What have you got? This This is very relevant. I like it. Oh. It's 2.1 Dead London with Paul McGann and Sheridan oh, Smith. Yeah. That is so this relevant. Is great. That is that is Yeah, this has got um, Rupert Van Sittert in it. Uh, uh, yes, it and has. Night, that's, that's the first thing I remember about it because the day before he arrived, we were all having a nightmare about how to pronounce his name. And, uh, you know, Paul McGann was going, How are we gonna, what are we going to say? And I said, well, we just call him Rupert. <laughs> he said, we can't, we can't call him Fancy Tart or something. Anyway, he's an, an actor um, who is so accomplished, a brilliant actor. And he's famously in Four Weddings in a Funeral, where uh, Hugh Grant gets trapped with him and he's boring him to death, you know, and he's <laughs> playing this sort of... Anyway, he was the loveliest man. And, and absolutely brilliant in it. Dead London, uh, yeah, great story. It's the start of the second series of um, uh, Eighth Doctor and Sheridan Smith uh, adventures. Anyway, look, by the way, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Dead London. Geronimo! Gentlemen of the jury. 
take note of the criminal carriage of this fellow. Blimey! Your face, it's... <laughs> you never seen a canary before, then? Was there ever such a villain on the face of the earth? Now, look, you've made a terrible mistake. Doctor, the wicker man! A waterfall! Hold on! <laughs> you will be taken from here at such a time as deemed convenient to a place of execution where you will hang from the neck until you are dead. You must have me confused with someone else. It was meant to be the 21st century, not the pig in First World War! Of all London's lost rivers, the fleet is the one most associated with evil. Anyone who fell into its filth usually suffocated. Phew, I'm not surprised it stinks. That's a dead end, dearie. I can hear every move you make. No one ever escaped blind here. Classic Doctors. Brand new adventures. Yes, it's written by Pat Mills who, of course, uh, wrote a lot of stuff for Doctor Who magazine and, wrote, and, and 2000 AD, you know, he's great comic strips, comic strip writer, great friend of Alan Barnes, uh, which is why Alan got him in. But Alan is so admiring of Pat. And, and Pat is one of the nicest, nicest people. He came into the studio, not for this one. Um, there was another one I directed, uh, which had a, which was set in the Second World War. I want to say it was called the Scaremonger. Was it called the Scaremonger? That is one of ours. No, the no. What was it called? Buck up, Briggs. Oh, you were the one that that, that you you did you wrote it. <laughs> no, I didn't write it. It was Pat Mills who wrote <laughs> oh, okay. it. Oh, it's really annoying. Uh, what's it called? The Fearmonger. I'm gonna have to look now. No, it's not the ah. It's called the Scapegoat. I knew it had a skirt in the title. <laughs> Rather sad of me. Anyway, he came into the recording of that, and Pat was just... He sat behind me on the sofa behind the control panel, and he was um, just uh, lovely and so softly spoken and la di da di da The brilliant thing is that I saw a documentary with him in all about 2000 AD and how they were breaking the mould creating that comic back in the uh, 80s and he was like a real rebel in that interview <laughs> he was like yeah you know you imagine watching that interview you think I don't I wouldn't want to meet him because he might spit at me and say yeah I'm an old punk me and he was all sort of yeah you know giving it large and uh, and I thought that's nothing like the Pat Mills I met who's this terribly soft smoking sweet guy but he was he was playing the rebel it was quite incredible but a man of considerable talent and such an honour to work with him and yeah it's interesting that the review quotes for Dead of Lo Dead London Dead of London at the Dead of Night uh, Dead London mentions Rupert Van Sittert from Total Sci-Fi Rupert Van Sittert has fun as Sepulchre it's, he plays all sorts of characters in it I th do you remember it? I, 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 I remember listening to it at the time I was just going to say though um uh, Rupert um, Van Sittart uh, was uh, he was in Mr Bean I believe um, the famous one with uh, the guard I believe I think it was him uh, he played the guard when, when Mr Bean uh, is at uh, uh, Buckingham Palace and decorates the, decorates the soldier's hat yeah I'm, I'm fairly certain of this he, oh, he, I mean he's he, he certainly probably I'm sure he was in Mr. Bean anyway, because most of the people who are in Mr. Bean were in several episodes, weren't they? Uh, yes, he yes, here great. we go. I've just, just double-checked it. He, he's also in Game of Thrones, but yes, uh, he, he was in Mr. Bean as well, so there, there we go. Yeah, he was absolutely lovely. 
Anyway, thoroughly recommended Dead London. A very uh, odd and spooky and weird story and great performances in it. Uh, there's also... Uh, who else is it? Um, isn't Claire in it? Yeah, Claire Buckfield's in it, yeah. Who plays Spring-Heeled Sophie. Um, hmm. And, and lovely Katerina Olsen, who we haven't seen for ages. Who played... She played Yellow Beryl. <laughs> Good name. Whenever I see the name Beryl, I just think of dear old Beryl Reed. Ah. Yeah. Oh. Well, this Beryl, she worked in a music- musician's munitions factory. And so she was covered in the dust. The girls who worked in the munitions factory in the First World War used to get this residue on them and it made them look yellow. So they called them canaries. Bizarrely. Anyway, there you are. There we go. Thoroughly recommended. There we go. And a great one to jump into uh, there if, if you want to experience uh, the Eighth Doctor and Lucy Miller there. So, yeah. Cheers, Ran. You, you've done us a sterling work once more. You can now go back in the cupboard uh, until the next podcast. And as the podcast bounces unknowingly towards a fate worse than death, there's just time for Nick to round up the latest releases to tickle your ear things. Here goes. Cicero is out. Samuel Barnett of Dirk Gently fame is on the case. Back in them there Roman times. I don't know why I did it that voice. Wow, uh, wow, Graceless wow. Series 4. <laughs> Kira Jansen and Laura Doddington start along with Sean Phillips in this saucy bit of sci-fi adventure. Curse of the Crimson Throne. You've heard the behind-the-scenes interviews. Now listen to the latest from Pathfinder Legends. Torchwood One Before the Fall. Tracy Ann Oberman and Gareth David Lloyd. Two hyphenated stars to tingle your Torchwood ear sensors in this cracking box set special release. Cracking stuff. Doctor Who Short Trips. The World Beyond the Trees. An eighth Doctor adventure read by the stupendously talented Nicola Walker as Livchenko. Not to be missed. And that's your lot. There we go. And just before I continue uh, our sign-off here, I just want to uh, to chime in with breaking news. Uh, breaking news here. I've just got a tweet through. It's National Pizza Day, if you're interested in that sort of thing. There we go. I mean, I, I am interested in that because I love pizza. Pizza is, is not just a food. It's a way of life. That's there, good sir. That was a well-timed... Uh, tweet. There we go. Favorite pizza? Favorite pizza, Benji? Do you know what? I'm a, I'm a bog standard type of chap. You know, I, I, you know, margarita. I, I'm not a margarita man actually. I'm, I'm a pepperoni guy. I like my pepperoni. You know, you can you can dress it up how you like. Some call it a pepperoni passion. Some call it pepperoni plus. I just you know call a spade a spade. A pepperoni pizza does it for me. What about you, Nick? Well, if the, I don't have pizza very often. My wife has a margarita in the restaurant down uh, at the seaside near where we live. She always has that. Um, and it's very, very thin crust and cooked, you know, in a Ooh, big oven lovely. right next to where we sit, actually. It's nice, especially in the cold weather. Um, and uh, I, it's Pizza Express American. Oh, so so we're not we're not too too far removed from yeah. our from our pizza tastes. It's a good reliable one, isn't it? The American, not the American hot. No, no, because that's that's what. And, and I tell you what, I don't like is um, is when you you go for a pepperoni pizza and it arrives and the pepperoni is quite spicy. But it's not what I asked for. I asked for a pepperoni pizza, and I can appreciate that some pepperoni, hence the title pepper, is slightly 
hotter. But uh, I, I like hot food, but you know, it's like ordering ice cream and getting gravy instead of chocolate sauce. It's not what I wanted. It's, yeah, obviously, it's exactly like that. It's exactly. <laughs> it is. It is exactly. <laughs> Is that that? So yes, uh, thank you. I, I could never, when ordering the uh, American, I could never resist making a joke that isn't funny. When I say, "Could I have an American, please?" Um, Andy McDowell, oh, <laughs> you know, or Brad Pitt, perhaps. I, I, you know, and they look at me like, "What?" I used to say John Wayne as well, which is lost on most people because uh, most people don't even know who John Wayne is anymore. John Wayne's amazing. He's got such a good voice, John Wayne. Get on my horse and drink my milk. Do you know I was That's I was the actually worst impersonation of John Wayne. Get on my horse done. and drink my milk. And, and, uh, I was watching John Wayne yesterday. I was watching um, Big Jake. <laughs> Big oh. Jake. <laughs> I, I love the Alamo. The Alamo. That's a great wicked. movie. I mean, which in... he directed as well. Did he? Yeah. Fair play. To... He's good. He's he's a man of you know great. Wasn't he in um, the Longest Day as well? Not not a Western yes. film, but he was in that because I always thought the D Day invasion thing. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that that what would be incredible would be to do a modern day version of of like the Longest Day, the whole D Day thing, but but do what they did and and have the best actors from from every country in their regiment. I thought that would just be so fun to to have that in a, in a modern setting. Yeah, they did a similar thing with the Operation Market Garden, was it? Or was that detail? I can't remember. But anyway, the, a bridge too far. Oh, I love a bridge where, too far because they knew they had a lot. Yeah, because they had a lot of uh, characters in it, and they were all big commanding characters as a shorthand for the audience to immediately get who they were. They just cast incredibly famous people, so you immediately thought, right, that's the Sean Connery character, that's the Edward Fox character. Oh. So you know, very little. You know what I mean? It just brought something to it. Anyway, goodness me, we're massively running over yeah, time. Yes, so we're rambling. We? There you go. <gasps> So, 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 yes, uh, yes, here we are. So, um, yes, any more national days, uh, then just tweet me at uh, la underscore bonge. There we go. So, coming up in a moment, then, our special drama extract tease from The War Doctor, casual t- uh, Casualties of War, but uh, it says here casual ties of war. Uh, and just time now to give you my final thoughts of the podcast. It's been fab. What a ride. What a ride. What about you, Nick? Yeah. I particularly like the pizza bit and then John Wayne and every more war movie we could think of. <laughs> and I just love casual ties of war. <laughs> yes, I'm wearing the red today. <laughs> the casual bow tie of war. <laughs> oh, magic, magic. Thank you, Benji. Just a little reminder that if all goes well, I'll be podcasting from the US Doctor Who convention, Gallifrey One next week. <laughs> smashing, smashing. Uh, but anyway, is it time to say goodbye? It is. It's time to say goodbye. Goodbye! Goodbye! Uh, Here's a prime slice from the beginning of Pretty Lies, the first part of this month's final War Doctor release, Casualties of War. Of 
Lestra, kindly stop looking at me like that. It's not helping. Then do something useful and make me smile. I'll think of something. Any minute now. Communication. Open channel with station Delta 49. Communications channel opened. Uh, uh, hello? Who am I speaking to? You are speaking to the Daleks. Well, yes. Uh, uh, never mind. Have you received our message? Concerning the Time Lords? Yes. We have... Oh, oh, good. So, uh, we, we hope that we can settle this situation in as calm and reasonable manner as possible. Yes. Cut communications and open fire on Space Station Delta 49. Maximum destruction! Wait! No, please! Firing full weapons battery! firing at the station, but I'm sure they'll get round to us soon enough. What are you doing? Trying to tune in the radio. What do you think I'm doing? Getting us out of here. It's a light capsule. It's not designed for maneuvering. It's got thrusters, breathable atmosphere, and... Right. Now they're firing at us. As I was saying, thrusters, atmosphere, and a very serviceable impact shield. Untie me! You're probably safer where you are. Think of the ropes as an ad hoc seatbelt. I just hope I can shift the thrusters before the shield gives out. Oh! No! Oh. Mind you, if the shield battery dips much lower, we're done for anyway. Ah, I got it. What do you mean? The thrusters. We're moving away from the Dalek fleet. I meant, what do you mean about the shield? Well, 
we're going to need it, aren't we? Oh! Clearly! Not because of the gunfire. For Planetfall. Why? Well, I can control our course. And once we approach a habitable planet, the automatic guidance system will kick in anyway. But the problem will be the landing. Doctor, the last of my patients evaporated hours ago. Decades ago, more like. What I'm saying is, we won't so much land as... Well... Crash. Life capsule no longer registering. Confirm destruction. Confirmation not possible. Scanners are unreliable. Debris from space station Delta 49 is interfering. Analyze all data and correlate against recorded biosignatures. We must have confirmation of the Time Lord's destruction. Long-range weather scans say another sandstorm is blowing in. Analyzing. It will shift direction and blow out 100 kilometers north of the crash site. Oh, that's a relief. Sand plays havoc with the lens filters. Talking of the crash site, time to impact? One second ago. Ho, ho. Right. Mind the store, I won't be long. You'll be 24 minutes. Just for that, I'll walk slower. You can't always be right. Childishness already compensated for. 24 minutes, precisely. Hey, oh, still alive. When will I learn? Oh, do stop whining and get out of the way. Wait! Don't move! I'm fine. Nothing broken. Uh, seriously, wait right there. Don't move an inch. What's happening? I've no idea. There's an annoyingly chirpy young man telling me not to move. To hell with him. This thing could go off at any moment. Has he got a gun? I don't think so, no. In fact, he's got a camera. Okay. Camera drone is recording. Now you can move. You told me not to move because you wanted to film it. Oh, it's a great shot. Looks best in close-up. Uh, as will your esophagus when I make you swallow that damn camera. <laughs> There's no need to be like that. Just doing my job. Besides, I know you. You're not a violent man. If you think that, then you don't know me at all. Let me help. Oh, get off. Help a lister if she needs it. She doesn't. We should move away. The capsule is due to ignite in, oh, just over a minute. Is it now? And how would you know that? Come on! I'm not surviving the crash, only to be burnt to a crisp while you two argue. Who's arguing? I wouldn't dream of it. In fact, I'm honoured to be in your company. Don't bother with flattery. I'm immune. <laughs> not you. Him. The greatest hero of the Time War. <laughs> what? What's your name? Shandell. I'm really growing to dislike you, Shandell. <laughs> that sour wit, that gravelly voice. It really is amazing to finally meet you. You can shut up now, Shandell. Actually, no, wait a minute. Explain what you just said earlier. Earlier? About the capsule exploding. 
Oh, I'm a time traveller. Join the club. Still doesn't explain it. I'm a war reporter. It pays to do your research ahead of your assignment. A time-travelling war reporter? Where from? Dantrip. You probably don't know us. We generally keep ourselves to ourselves. Clearly not. This is an exception. I said to editor, that's my AI, by the way, it's an acronym. Editorial Director in the Operational Region. Oh, Lister, uh, please, uh, shut him uh, up. Uh, uh, editor, I said, I can't possibly cover the time war without meeting the Doctor face to face. You still haven't, boy. Now go away. Wait, you have a time ship here? Of course, just over there. But we can't use it. We'll see about that. Off. Come on, come on! Oh! Think yourself lucky I didn't fry your fingers off. Oh, just what I need. An AI with delusions of grandeur. Kindly desist from interfering with my systems. Told you. Editor controls the entire ship. None of us could fly it, even if we wanted to. Which, of course, I don't. What sort of stupid idea is that? A ship with no control access. You've clearly never worked with writers. Transport on delivery. Once Shandell uploads his footage from this assignment, and only then, we will depart for our next scheduled stop. Which is? None of your business. Yet. Fine. There must be a civilization nearby. We'll get transport there. According to Shandell, this is the planet Beltox. Never been there. So glad we can finally tick it off your list. The population is broken up into self-governing townships, the closest of which is Fairgill. How close? About 10 kilometers, other side of that mountain range. I suggest we pick up the pace. They'd better have a spaceport. Oh. Oh. Grab some excellent establishing shots. Go and film that canyon over there. Why? Because it's miles away. <laughs> oh, you. You'll soon cheer up when the Daleks arrive. What? Oh, that's what I'm here for. Oh, probably shouldn't have mentioned it, sorry. I'm not normally this giddy. I really am a bit of a fan. Can we get on? Alistra, wait. <coughs> Shandell, stop blathering. Explain. Well... I don't know much beyond that, but I'm here to cover yet another spectacular rout of Dalek forces by the legendary Doctor. Where? Hang on. Editor, when are the Daleks expected? Who wants to know? Well, me, obviously. Have you lost all objectivity? You can't go giving your subject time-sensitive information. Oh, it just sort of slipped out. If it happens again, you'll just sort of be fired, and I'll send someone else in to replace you. Someone with a fully functioning set of professional ethics. That won't be necessary. Forget I mentioned it. Well? Uh, I don't know. What do you know? Anything else? Just that the Daleks are coming, and that you'll beat them, like always. That's it. And run away. You're no use to me. You're just another victim waiting to happen. Like every other poor soul on this planet. Scans showing possible biosignatures matching those of the Time Lords. On screen! The 
signature is weak. There is a possibility it is an echo caused by the high density of marlinium in the station debris. We will investigate. Inform Dalek Fleet Command we are tracking the signature. I obey. I can't leave. You heard, Editor. I have to get the story, otherwise I'm fired. Better fired than dead. Let him stay. If the Daleks really are coming, we have larger concerns. Thank you. Mrs... Cardinal Alistra. Oh, yes. Sorry, of course. Uh, later, if you don't mind, could I interview you about how exciting it is working for the Doctor? You know, if the Daleks don't kill you, I probably will. If anything, he's working for me. Really? Oh, sorry. I've seen lots of the reports and he just never seemed the employee type. I assumed and, well, <laughs> yes. Sorry. Just be quiet and I'll do my best to forget about you. Right. So, uh, no interview for now. Interview him. He's your hero. Yes, of course. Would you mind? Just a few words? I have nothing to say. I'm sure that's not true. Remember, however uncomfortable it makes you feel, you're an inspiration to billions. Inspiration? I'm the stuff of nightmares. I'm a murderer, a warrior, a demon let loose in the time stream. A man who's lost his conscience, his friends, even his name. No. No, I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> 